Act Two of Paul Jones by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Berger. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One: A chamber on the ground floor at Louis Achard's near the Chateau Doré. A door in the background, which, when open, shows at a distance the trees of a park at the right hand a window on the left a door communicating to another chamber on the raising of the curtain the marchioness alone is sitting before a table on the left side of the actor an open bible lies on the table the marchioness in deep reflection her large black veil surrounds her nearly entirely and falls to the ground enter Ashar, and perceiving the marchioness goes to her my lady marchioness raising her head is it you Ashar? i have been waiting for you this half hour where have you been if my lady had gone fifty paces farther she would have met me under the great oak near the park gate you know i never go near it perhaps you are in the wrong madam there is one in heaven who has a right to our joint prayers and who it may be weeps at hearing only those of old Ashar. Who tells you that I do not pray alone? And why should you believe the dead demand that we be forever kneeling on their grave? I only believe that if a particle of us survives underground, that something trembles with pleasure to hear the footsteps of those we loved whilst living. But if that love was a guilty one, do you believe that death and blood have not atoned for it heaven were then too severe a judge yes heaven may pardon for omnipotence is all kindness but do you believe that if the world knew all it would forgive as heaven will the world that important word is even pronounced by you the world it is to that idol madam your pride has sacrificed all the feelings of a loving woman a wife a mother for the world's sake you wear that mourning robe beneath whose folds you hope to hide remorse and you are right for the world deems your remorse virtue you speak in the name of others with a bitterness of heart that might lead to suppose that you personally have something to reproach me for Ashar, have i omitted any of the duties which i believe i am bound to fulfil towards you the people who wait on you by my orders have they not borne towards you that respect and obedience which i have enjoined on them you have only a word to say pardon me madam it is only sadness not a bitter complaint it proceeds only from my lonely situation from old age you ought to know what bitter thoughts are weighing on your conscience what are the tears with which your heart overflows no through a sentiment for which i am grateful though i will not pry into its motives you yourself have taken care that i want for nothing you have not forgotten your promise for a single day and sometimes as unto the prophet of old even an angel came as messenger 
yes i know that margaret sometimes accompanies the servant who waits on you and i have seen with pleasure that she supplies your wants and i on my part have fulfilled my duty have i not for twenty years have i lived far from men and every living thing been banished from my cottage so fearful have i been that in sleepless indiscreet nights the wanderings of my poor mind might betray a secret that should never be disclosed yes the secret has been kept but tis the greater reason now for me to fear to lose in one brief day the fruit of twenty years of still more gloom more loneliness and terror than yours have been think what it is for twenty years to be the guardian of a madman who whenever a spark of reason lights upon his brain reproaches me with crime and hourly repeats those words those dreadful words with which the angels at the judgment day will wake me from my grave and i also madam i have heard those words i was here when he pronounced them and expired such is the fate of the wife my children too kept far from me that they may not be near their father my children who only know me by the terror i inspire my children who when i open my arms to them fall at my feet and call me madame this is the mother's fate you speak only of those who knew you to be their mother marchioness trembling Achar. is it not true have you not trembled when reflecting that there exists a man who one day will call on me to know that secret and that i have no right to conceal aught from him nay compose yourself madam at the age of fifteen years you know that boy wandered from the family in which he was brought up in scotland and from that period nothing more was heard of him he must have forgotten the letter of his father he must have lost the token by which he could identify himself or it may be that he no longer dwells among the living cruel achar little do you know what mysterious secrets what strange contradictions are enclosed within a woman's heart cannot i rest unless my child be dead does it at twenty-five become of such importance to his existence that he cannot live unless that secret be revealed achar my old friend could we not tell him that his mother joined his father in heaven but on her deathbed left him as a legacy to her friend the marchioness doré who would prove a second mother to him yes you might tell him so you and i know you could speak it with a steady voice you could look on him with a tearless eye and easy heart i know it well you could speak to him and your first words would not be my child yet he is the son of a man who was beloved by you so much beloved that for his sake you forgot the most sacred of all duties oh you can conquer your own feelings but should i behold him i should throw myself into his arms and cry aloud henry my dear henry but you achar have nothing to conceal forty years of a spotless name are not tarnished by that single word my child your name is not doré yours is not a title transmitted to you by noble ancestors to be inherited by as noble descendants hear me achar 
i came to tell you this i came to say to you have pity on me faithful as i have been to the promises made to the marchioness Doré, as faithful as i will be to those made to the count de morlaix the day the hour his son comes to me with the token by which i shall know him and asks me for his secret he shall know all the papers which prove his birth you are aware madam he may claim only at your husband's death that secret's hidden here points to his heart no earthly power can force or hinder its disclosures those papers are in a recess of the wardrobe near my bed the key is always with me therefore not but theft or murder can procure them the marquis may outlive you what then becomes of them the priest who assists me in my last moments will receive them under the seal of confession and i must live in agony and wretchedness until my death here stands a man perhaps the only one in the world unmoved by tears by prayers a man who rejects my gold and this stubborn rock crosses my way until a tempest buries me under its ruins Ashar, my secret is thine do what thou wilt with it thou art the master i thy slave farewell exit marchioness Ashar alone go cold-hearted woman who knows no remorse who fears not heaven how dearly dost thou pay for the reputation of the most virtuous woman truly the world believes thee a saint and who could dare say nay thy will be done thy eternal wisdom will direct all enter paul well spoken old man there is more virtue implying resignation than in misbelieving philosophy would i had that maxim less on my lips and oftener in my hearts i beg your pardon sir but who are you for the present a disciple of plato all mankind are my brothers the world my country and under the sun do i possess no other resting place than the one i have built up for myself what do you want of me i am on the lookout twenty leagues from brest and about two hundred paces from the chateau Doré, for a cottage like that and of an old man possibly you and that old man's name is louis achard you are not mistaken it is myself paul taking his hat off may the blessings of heaven light on thy gray hairs for here is a letter i suppose from my father and it calls you an honest man Ashar, much moved and that letter contains it nothing yes something like a broken gold piece you should have the other half Ashar holds out his hand takes the gold piece and the letter yes yes it is and more that astonishing resemblance child oh oh heaven what moves you thus you are the portrait i the living portrait of your father and know you not i loved 
I cherished him more than my own heart's blood. So would I shed that blood for thee, if thou shouldst ever need it. Embrace me then, old man. The chain of love is still unbroken between the grave and cradle. And whoever may have been my father, if, to be like him, with a clear conscience, dauntless courage, and a spirit that will never bend, is all you ask, then am I his living picture, and more so from my soul than from my face. Ashar, gazing on him. Yes, you are like your father. That same proud face, that same fire in his looks. But why did I not see thee sooner, young man? Many dark hours hadst thou made cheerful to me. Why? Because that letter bade me find thee out when I became twenty-five. It is but lately I have reached that age, within this very hour only. Already? Twenty-five already? It seems to me but yesterday that you were born here in this cottage. In this very room you first beheld the light. And here I lived till I was four years old. Is it not so? Yes. Let me recall my memory. I do recollect a chamber, as a dream, like this same one. Is there not a bed with green curtains? Yes. An ivory crucifix above its head? Yes. The wardrobe opposite, where there were some books, amongst others a large Bible with engravings. Here it is, the same Bible. Yes, yes, the same. Then a window from which you could distinguish the sea. An island. The island of Montmétier. Paul, running to the chamber. Ah! Achard in the act of following him. No, no, leave me for a moment. I would be alone. Exit into chamber. Achard alone. Brave, noble youth. I thank thee, heaven, I thank thee. Paul returning. Yes, it was the same room. After all, why hide my emotions? Look at me, old man. I have seen the tempest rage on the wild ocean, tossed my ship about like a feather ball. I saw men perish at my side, cut away like ears of corn by a scythe. I heard the dying groans of those who the day before had feasted with me. I caught their dying breath on a deck slippery with blood, amid shot and cannonballs. All this have I seen, old man, unmoved, untouched. But this room, whose memory lives in me so sacredly, where a father caressed me, whom I shall never see again, a mother who perhaps does not wish to behold me. See, old man, this chamber is precious, is sacred to me as a cradle, as a tomb. Oh, I must weep, or I shall choke. Yes, you are right, a cradle and a tomb. For here wast thou born, here didst thou receive the last farewell of thy father. Then he is dead, and my forebodings did not deceive me. He is dead. When? How? You shall hear all. A minute. Let me breathe first. Opens the window. What beauty in a fine autumnal evening, the setting sun reposing in the sea. Glorious spectacle, silent as the deity, grand as eternity. A man who often admired such a spectacle could not fear death. My father died like a man of courage, did he not? 
He did. And now do I recollect him, my poor father, though I was only four years old when I saw him for the last time. He was a handsome young man, of your age. And his name? Count de Morlaix. A noble name amongst the names in Brittany. And my mother? Your mother. The Marchioness Doré. Paul violently. What sayest thou? The truth. Oh, heaven! Then Emmanuel was my brother. Margaret, my sister. Do you know them already? Thou wert in the right, old man. Eternal wisdom directs whate'er it wills. It can do so, and what it does is long before ordained in its wisdom. He falls down in a chair and places his head in his hands. Your father and the Marchioness were betrothed to each other in early youth. I do not know what family hatred divided the good understanding between their parents. They were separated. Count de Morlaix sailed for San Domingo, where his father owned large estates. I followed him. I was the son of his nurse. I was educated with him. He called me brother and I alone recollected the distance which his rank had placed between us. Noble man! After two years' residence in the island, he returned to France, and found his beloved wedded to another. But the Marquis, called away to Paris to attend his post near the king, Louis Fifteenth, had been obliged to leave his young wife, then too ill to follow him, in the Chateau d'Oré, whose turrets you perceive hence. Paul slowly raises his head and makes a sign that he sees them. During that journey my father died and left me this cottage with the adjoining grounds. I took possession of them. Go on. One night, twenty-five years ago, I heard a knocking at my door. I opened it. Your father entered, bearing in his arms a woman veiled. Louis, said he, thou canst do more than save my life and honour, save the life and honour of my beloved. Hasten to the nearest town, and within an hour return with the physician. I obeyed. In a short time your father departed, again carrying in his arms, and always veiled, the mysterious female, who that night became your mother. And how did you know that woman was a Marchioness Doré? I offered your father to keep you with me. He consented. From time to time he came to pass a few hours with you. Alone? Always. But if you were walking in the park and the Marchioness met you, she would call you to her and embrace you as we do at stranger's child whose beauty we take pleasure in beholding. Four years passed away in this manner. Again your father visited me, but far more sad and gloomy than before. Louis, said he, tomorrow at daybreak I shall fight a duel with the Marquis Doré for life or death. Tis so arranged, and you, my only second, give me shelter for the night and provide me with writing materials. I did so. He then sat down near this table, upon that very chair 
on which you sit paul rises and there remained till morning without sleeping at break of day he entered my apartment i had risen you were still sleeping in your cradle go on your father looked on you mournfully if i fall said he to save this child from unforeseen misfortune deliver him with this letter to field my valet de chambre he will take him to his own country to scotland and confide him to trusty hands when twenty-five years old that child if he lives will call on you with the other half of this gold coin he will demand from you the secret of his birth you will tell him all as for those papers which prove his birth you will not deliver them until the marquis be dead now said he let us go he went to your cradle and a tear moistened his manly cheek go on that tear dropped on your face you threw your little arms round his neck saying farewell father i have often thought that childhood had a foreboding of the future childhood and old age are near to heaven the meeting was in a lane of the park about a hundred paces hence on arrival we found the marquis there near him and on a bench loaded pistols the parties saluted without exchanging a word the marquis showed the pistols to your father each took one they counted thirty paces between them then walked towards each other it was a terrible moment believe me when i saw the ground gradually lessen between those two men at ten paces distance the marquis stopped and fired i looked at your father not a muscle of his face was changed he continued approaching the marquis and putting his pistol to his heart he did not kill him your life said he is in my power i might take it but live that you may pardon me as i forgive you with these words he fell dead the marquis's ball had pierced his heart my father my father and he lives that man does he not archard let us go to him tell him this is his son his son you hear his son you must fight him heaven has revenged you already that man is insane true i forgot and in his madness this bloody scene is always present to his eyes twenty times a day does he repeat the dying words of your father and this then is the reason why the marchioness never quits him for an instant and for this reason under the pretext that he refuses to see his children she never lets emmanuel and margaret come near him poor sister and now her mother would make a new victim enforcing her to marry baron de lectour against her will yes but that miserable lectour takes his wife to paris and her brother gets a regiment of horse the marchioness no longer fears the presence of her children her secret then is only confined to her and two old men who may die to-morrow this night 
and the dowager marchioness doré a pattern of a mother's love of connubial virtue survives surrounded by the respect the admiration of the world oh dost thou believe that my mother i beg your pardon true i do not believe it i am in the wrong forget all i said judge for yourself must i add that the last will of your father was faithfully executed field came the very same day he left with you twenty-one years have elapsed and since that hour not a day has passed that i have not prayed to heaven on the grave of his father to bless that child heaven has listened to my prayers you are here your father revives in you i see him again i speak to him i am comforted paul looking through the window silence someone comes this way most likely a servant from the castle margaret accompanies him margaret my sister leave me alone with that child achard i would speak to her recollect that your secret is that of your mother be easy i will only speak to her of her own exit achard in the next room paul alone poor girl that interest i felt for thee yesterday when i saw thee was then a brother's love she comes enter margaret and la feuille that will do la feuille put that basket there and wait for me at the park gate exit la feuille i beg your pardon sir i thought achard was at home he is in the next room margaret going towards it i thank you sir exit margaret paul alone oh poor lonely paul why shall i not throw my arms around her neck why not say to her margaret no woman ever loved me with a woman's love love me with a sister's love for i am thy mother's son oh mother when you deprived me of yours you also deprived me of the love of that angel may heaven in his goodness render you in eternity that happiness of which you have deprived yourself of which you have deprived us all re-enter margaret margaret in the door which separates the two chambers good-bye ashar i wanted very much to see you for who knows when i can do so again in the act of going out of the centre door margaret she turns round astonished but makes a second motion to go margaret don't you hear me i call you true you have pronounced my name sir but i could not suppose not knowing you but i know you i do i know your distress i know there is no heart to whom you could confide your grief no arm that would support you you forget our father in heaven sir no and if far from forgetting him i considered myself as his messenger if i said to you margaret i am your friend your most devoted friend i would ask of you sir where are your proofs of friendship of devotion and if i gave you one margaret with hope oh then you wear a bracelet on your left arm who told you so that bracelet shuts with a lock whose key is hidden by a ring oh heaven there exists a man to whom you made oath in a night of parting and despair that long as that ring should not be restored to you i would not accept of any suitor 
and next do you know this ring oh have pity on me he is dead margaret he lives loves you still he lives he loves me and how does that ring happen to come in your possession banished proscribed he thought it was his duty to restore you to liberty that you might bestow your heart and hand elsewhere when a woman has sacrificed to a man what i have sacrificed to him he is the only man she can ever love the only one to whom she can ever belong to him alone or heaven margaret you are an angel tell me you saw him then it was i who had orders to bear him to cayenne during our passage he told me all and i perceived that i had been made an instrument of vengeance not of justice then thought i that providence had selected me to be the judge of judges lusignan is banished but he is free i left him at new york waiting the success of the petition which his friends have already laid before the king and do you believe he will be pardoned i have obtained more than that let me kiss your hands come to my arms margaret you are a saint you do not then despise me margaret had i a sister i would pray to heaven that she might be like you you would have an unfortunate sister perhaps oh but you do not know what monsieur de lecture must have arrived by this time i know it this evening the contract is to be signed and will you sign it they will force me have you not the courage to refuse i feel only courage to die poor child whom shall i implore to whom apply my brother heaven knows i pardon him he does not understand me my mother oh sir you do not know her a woman of stern virtue of an iron heart when she says it is my will nothing remains but to weep and to obey my father he is insane he lost his reason and with it all remembrance of a parent's love for ten years my eyes have not beheld my father for ten years i have not kissed his trembling hands his silver hair he does not know whether he has a child a daughter he would not know me again and should he take pity on me my mother would place a pen in his hand and bid him sign and he would sign the poor the weak old man and margaret be a condemned victim margaret i will be present at that signature and who will introduce you into the castle i have the means to do so oh my brother is brave stubborn his ambition finds an opening by my marriage oh sir sir your brother is as sacred to me as you yourself fear not you make me shudder and how do you mean to act toward lecture ask an interview of him and then tell him all paul kneeling down let me adore you sir oh as a sister oh sir you are good you have a noble heart and heaven has sent you to my assistance believe it consequently this evening fear nothing only try to let me know although it be but by a sign how you have succeeded with lecture farewell farewell margaret shaking his hand farewell you whom i do not know by what name to address call me brother farewell brother farewell sister this is the first time i am addressed by that sweet name may heaven reward thee young girl exit margaret 
Paul calling out, Achard! Enter Achard. Now, to my father's grave. Exeunt. End of Act Two